Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks, and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hi everyone, thanks for joining today. Today we have on Sue Fisher, and you may recognize her name. She was a guest on the podcast in March 2022. Her prior podcast episode will be linked in the show notes. Just as a little recap, Sue is 58 years old. She was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes in January 2020. When she found out she had diabetes, she immediately adopted a keto lifestyle and also began fasting. She was able to bring her A1C down from the 12s to 5.5 within a three-month period of time. And since she began fasting and eating a keto diet, she has been able to maintain her A1C in the fours, so she is now not classified as diabetic. Also in the process, she lost 100 pounds. She lost that weight over a period of a year, and she's been able to maintain that weight loss. We go over some of the things that Sue has been doing in terms of any updates to her fasting. We talk about challenges that she's faced and how she has overcome those challenges. Sue is proof that this lifestyle is one that can be done for the long term. It's not a quick fix. It's something that you can maintain for the rest of your life, you can maintain your weight, you can keep your diabetes at bay if you have type 2 diabetes. She's a great example of somebody that has been able to put that into practice. I love this episode because she gives some really good updates and we talk a lot about her mindset. It was a real pleasure to have a chance to speak to her again. Hi, Sue. Thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. I'm so excited to hear updates from you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here and share some more. Yeah, just as a refresher for people, I'll link in the show notes the prior episode that you did, but it's been over a year, and uh, your episode is one that has resonated with a lot of people, and I like your episode because it shows that you can do fasting for a long period of time, and it doesn't have to be, it's a really, it's a lifestyle, it's not just a a quick fix, and then you just move on with your life, and I really want to talk to you about about that. Just to, you know, for the people that maybe haven't listened to your initial episode, can you just give us a quick background about when you got diabetes, your age, you know, just general information about you? Sure. So it was uh, January of 2020. Uh, I went into my doctor's office because I had a racing heart and some other stuff going on. And uh, after two sets of blood work, I was told that I was type 2 diabetic with an A1C of 12.5. And uh, it ran in in my family. There was no huge surprise there. Um, But I was really blessed with a doctor that told me to go to keto. Um, And he was about teaching how to reverse it, not just manage it. He did put me on metformin, um, the extended release, 500 milligrams. But um, that was the only medication I was ever on. 
So, um, and then it took, I did keto and then learned about intermittent fasting um, through Facebook groups and then eventually learned uh, uh, about uh, extended fasting, but I couldn't do, did not do the extended until I got off the metformin three months after my diagnosis. And that three month A1C was 5.5. Um, so at that point I went off, gave it a little time to get out of my system and then started doing the extended fasting. Yeah, that's, that's a great story. And so you did this in January, 2020. So you've been at this for over three years now and mm -hmm. you've been maintaining since that time. Have, have you been able to keep your A1C in that 5.5 or below range or has there been any period where it's gone back up again? No, it's never gone up. It, it actually, I stay in the fours. I've ranged between 4.4 and 4.8 since then. Wow. Okay. That's, that's pretty incredible. That's, you know, that's definitely non-diabetic levels right there. Oh yeah. Yeah. My doctor won't even do an A1C for me anymore. I have to do them myself <laughs> because I'm not considered diabetic by him now. Oh, wow. Are you still checking your blood sugars at all? Or do you, have you kind of let that yes. go? No, uh, no, I am um, almost obsessive about that kind of stuff. I, I love watching the body and seeing what it's doing. And um, it's it's been fascinating. And I'll tell a story when we get to it about what it did after my last fast. It was very unusual. Really? Yeah, I definitely want to hear that. What? So how often are you testing your blood sugar these days? Uh, one to five times a day. It depends on what I'm doing. So Sometimes it's curious because of, trying different things. Sometimes it's more yeah, boredom and, oh, gee, what's my blood sugar doing? Yeah. <laughs> so you test, do you test always in the morning when you get up? Yeah. Yeah. Always. Okay. And have you noticed, I don't remember from your prior episode, if we even discussed this, but do you have any dawn phenomenon or is that not really an issue for no, you? No, no, it, it really isn't. I tend to run, um, usually in the seventies or low eighties in the morning. Um, uh, and I can always tell if I've had a, a big steak the night before, then it might be in the nineties cause I'm still digesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's pretty great that you've been able to, to do that. And you're keeping up with testing your blood sugar. Cause I think it's actually important to do it. Even if you're no longer considered diabetic, because it's one of those things where you just always want to have a handle on it. I think. Yeah, I'm looking at going through one of the labs where you can order your own blood work because I want I never got a fasting insulin and that's another number I want to know and keep an eye on because that's going to tell me a problem before the blood sugar will. Yeah, yeah. And I remember you must I mean, I know in your particular case you're hypervigilant because you have such a strong family history of diabetes. Yeah. So is that kind yeah. of what motivates you or, I mean, you've been at it for so long. What would you say your motivation is? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I certainly know what happens if you don't manage it. And I, I just don't want that for me. And I also recognize uh, for myself too, a lot of um, food and, and especially carb addiction. And so I'm kind of vigilant about that as well, because I, you know, if, if I play with that line too much, I'm afraid I'll cross it and bad things will happen. So I'm, I'm very, I just stay diligent with it all. Yeah. And I, I know that your, you know, your diet is very low carb and have you, 
since you've been able to lower your A1C to such an extent, have you introduced foods back into your diet or have you been keeping it as low carb as when you first started? Um, the only thing I've introduced back, back is occasionally I have sweet potato. Um, but I, that's probably every three to six months I'll have one and that's about it. I'm yeah. Just yeah, keeping so, it, keeping it down. Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, I think the thing with you is just, it sounds like it's just pure consistency. Is yeah, that right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, yeah, I, I've experimented well, I can handle things like plain full fat yogurt. Um, same with kefir. And I don't think I could initially, but now I, I do handle those well, but still, when you look at like total carbs in a day, you know, I, I don't think I, it'd be a rare day I ever go over 50 and it's probably usually, in, you know, 20 to 30. Okay. Yeah. So. so it's still real low carb. And yeah, when you were on last time, you had talked about your fasting schedule and you try to kind of keep things interesting. Is that still what you're doing or have you sort of settled into a, a you know, a way of doing things? No, the one thing I'm confident about is change. <laughs> um, I went through sometime in the last year where I really didn't, besides just a normal intermittent fast type thing, you know, just trying to keep that that eating window tight. But I, I kind of just started trying to listen to what I my body wanted to do. And then I'm trying to think, I think it was at the beginning of this year, maybe tail end of last, I went back to doing some extended fasting again and just wanted the reset of it and the challenge of it and trying some different things. So I've done a um, couple of 72 hours this year and uh, one, I think the last one that I had to, that I did end early, I think I was around 65, 66 hours, something like that. Okay. And uh, all right. So you do some, you throw some longer fasts in there. And I know, mm -hmm. I know you're at your, or you were at your goal weight, you're five feet, five mm -hmm. inches. You, yep. you lost a hundred or more pounds. What is that still the case? Yeah. I'm, I'm fluctuated up. I don't know, like three to five pounds. So I'm, I'm happy that's staying in range. Yeah. So you're like 130 pounds plus or minus. Yeah. About 135 these days. 135. That's yep. incredible that you lost that much weight and have been able to, to maintain that because you lost it. Yeah. It took like a year to lose it. Is that right? Yeah. It, yeah. About a year. Um, it came off rather quickly, really. And um, I don't think I've ever taken weight off and kept it off like this. I think this is a first. So if you were doing that, so you lost, you know, almost all the weight by January, 2021. And so you've been maintaining for two plus years now. Have there been mm -hmm. any, I know from my perspective, even though my journey has more been about blood sugar control, yours is blood sugar control and weight loss, obviously. Yeah. Have there been any like mental challenges that you've faced as you have been maintaining? Cause that's a large amount of weight to have kept off. Oh goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to watch that scale um, sometimes too much too. Um, be, because your weight is going to fluctuate and, you know, like part of it right now is I've been upping my electrolytes, um, trying to deal with some, uh, leg cramps and, um, you know, so I see it going up from that and, you know, the, the, the fear 
you know, there's always two fears there, you know, one that suddenly your blood sugars are going to do something they're not supposed to do. And the same with your weight. And, and, you know, they're, you know, they are tied together to a degree. So yeah, it, it can be a mental struggle. I've been really, really trying to work with getting that balance of protein and fat to get the natural satiation, to learn those hunger hormones. And yet there is always that battle that you're doing, you know, at times with the emotional eating and, and sometimes trying to distinguish between what is it? Is this hunger or is this emotional? Um, and I, I don't know that I'll ever have that, you know, smoothed out all the way, but it's okay. You know, I'm, I'm holding my own and, and I'm not suffering for it. So I'm okay. Yeah, good. I actually just posted an episode about uh, my own maintenance challenges and it's there, you know, I think you ride the momentum when you are starting and you just feel like, oh, I can just mm -hmm. do this forever. No big deal. And when you are an emotional eater, which I am and you are too, uh, yeah. sometimes <laughs> those maintenance becomes a little bit harder than maybe it would be for somebody else if you're trying to battle those two things. And then if you're an emotional eater and you gain a few pounds, you just feel like oh, all is lost, just forget it. And you just go off the deep end, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And when, you know, I've noticed myself, if I have an idea of what I'm going to eat in a day and I go, Oh, okay. I'll just have this. The, the just have this is just the gateway. <laughs> the floodgates open from there. But um, I have stuck with the rule that I don't put things in the house that aren't part of my normal menu of foods that I'd eat. So if I eat from them, well, at least I know I'm getting nutrition. And, you know, I've I've never, not once since, since 2020 uh, in January, have I done an intentional or uh, any kind of a, a cheat, you know, on, on those foods that that went on the, the no list and off my menu, I've never gone to them and, and done that, you know, um, and I'm glad for that. And I, I know it's, it's critical that I stay where I am. <laughs> Don't do that. So if you're at somebody's house and they're having a birthday party and there's cake or something, you just say, no, thanks. I'm not, I'm not taking any cake today. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Most people around me know, they know what my story is and that I just don't do that. And give me a glass of water or, or a club soda or something. And, and I'm a happy person. Yeah. It's smart to do it that way because then you don't have to constantly be quitting foods and it's just, yeah, it's hard enough to do it the first time. It's, you know, when you have to keep doing things over and over again, I think your willpower uh, lessens over time. So if you can just do it and stick to it, then I think there's it makes a, life a little easier. There's a great book out there called Food Junkies by Dr. Vera, Vera Tarman. And she explains things really well. Um, and that's a, that's a great read. And that has been helpful. And she's got a Facebook group, too, that I'm a part of that she is active in and recognizing those things. And she talks about each time you do it and she explains it. And I don't remember how it goes exactly. But each time you basically fall off the wagon, it is harder. It's documented, scientific. It's harder to get back on. And I, I keep that in mind, you know, that if I do that, I'm going to have to go through that. And yeah, I, I don't want to. Yeah. I recently had to do that with sugar again. And obviously my situation is different than yours because mm -hmm. I have type one and I can use insulin to bring my blood sugar down. But even still, I, you know, sugar is 
basically poisonous to right. a person with any type of diabetes, but I had been eating low carb protein bars and chocolate bars sweetened with stevia. And even though they weren't having a huge impact on my blood sugar, the amount I was eating was causing me to, you know, have to use more mm -hmm. insulin. I was gaining weight. And when you gain weight, you need more insulin. And right. I had quit sugar once before, like completely. And then I started slowly adding things back. And then um, when I had to quit again, it really was hard. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. that's it. I'm not doing this again. Yeah. Yeah. It is. That's why, you know, and I, I started the journey with the keto stuff and the good old keto treats and learned in time that that doesn't work for me. I can't moderate and I'm a lot happier just not having them and not going to that that place because there there was nothing nutritional in it for me it was it was all emotional and it it really didn't feel good to eat that kind of stuff either even though it wasn't high you know even though it was uh the artificial sugars that wasn't hurting my blood sugar it it wasn't making me feel good so yeah and as with everything those artificial sugars are gateways to real sugar mm -hmm. uh and yeah. it just intensifies all of your cravings Oh yeah, exactly. It gets those cravings going. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm better off the way I am and I'm, I'm happy with my choice. Yeah. That's, that's really great that you've done that and you've maintained your diet and your fasting schedule and all that stuff. Can you tell mm -hmm. me, uh, you know, about the, the fast that you had where you had to, had to stop early? Sure. So, um, like I said, I'd done a couple of 72 hours this year. And they went smoothly. And the the one again, I'm I'm watching my blood sugar and and I love to use the keto mojo during those and watch the ketones because that's part of the entertainment. And uh, the fast before that, I had sat for a couple of days, um, hanging around the low to mid fifties for blood sugar uh, all throughout the day, and my ketones were running in the in the threes or so and. So everything was working well. I was feeling great. And at the end of that, that, that fast actually ended up going 80 hours. And I think I want to say that my last blood sugar, when I woke up that morning, just before I broke the fast was like 47 and my ketones were over six. And I said, well, that's really cool. That's nice. And I went and broke my fast. So a few weeks later, I thought I'm going to do another one. And I started out and within a very short amount of time, by the 48 hour mark, my blood sugar was in the upper 40s. It went down quickly and, and it stayed there. And my ketones were not rising quite as high, but it was still early on yet. And, uh, and I was feeling well, but it was kind of new to me to be that low and holding. And uh, that was messing with my mind more, more than me, but it, my mind. And then I was at work and I was going to go till the following morning. And I started to have, uh, it was like seeing little white spots or something. And I think what it was is, is electrolytes. I took my blood sugar again, just out of curiosity, and it was 43. And I thought, well, I don't really know what's going on here. And I know no matter what, I can 
solve it quickly by eating. And um, so I ended up, uh, you know, or I could have played with the electrolytes, but I ended up breaking the fast then. And I don't remember exactly what I ate that day, nothing extraordinary or anything. And remember, I said my fasting blood sugars have been in the 70s to 90s. And after a fast, they tend to stay lower for a little while. And the next morning I got up and my blood sugar was 115. And I was in, I was shocked. I, I couldn't believe it. And then I, uh, so I washed my hands and retested because I thought, well, I'm not quite believing this. And sure enough, it, it meant it. Um, I think that one came up like 112. So I thought, this is this is unusual. I've never had that before. And the best I can figure, um, and I do not remember the word now, I, the something effect that was documented, and they talked about it with type 1s. But basically that your your liver is so busy producing the glucose and there's another hormone involved that now I'm not remembering. The glycogen. But that cause it could be. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so that cause it's like the body's still busy doing that and it hasn't stopped yet. And and of course insulin wasn't being used, so it it may not have been ramped up enough to shove it in the cells either. Um because of that. But that um that was one very odd fast. I'd never had that happen. I, I'm in a couple of Facebook groups where we post our morning blood sugar and the people there know my pattern. And so I explained what that was as far as, you know, what just happened and said, you know, any comments are welcome because I'm kind of curious. This is, this is new. And then, yeah, I was very paranoid the next 24 hours or so watching those blood sugars to see what they're doing. It took, I think probably two full days before they dropped to where I said, okay, this is completely normal now. Um, so, so you, let me, I want to dissect a couple points in the story. So when you were yeah. in the forties, were you not, were you feeling okay? Aside from like, yeah, seeing I was the fine. light, you were able to no, concentrate at work. You didn't feel oh, yeah. shaky. Yeah, no, I work in banking and I have to have my, have my head in the game. No, I was not shaky at all. Mm -hmm. um, I was, I was feeling fine. Um, and, and I've, I've done a little bit of research since then, and I've heard of others that, yeah, they, they do drop like that. Um, you know, I, I think it is much more people, um, don't understand as much about those lows when, when you're fat adapted and what that means. So getting good information on when and if you should get concerned, I realized is hard to do. Mm -hmm. it's hard to find because it's really geared more for people like you that are on insulin where it is going to be incredibly dangerous if you get into the you know it's a different story so researching for me to figure it all out has been a bit of a challenge with it well uh yeah obviously with type one if it's exogenous insulin that's caused you to go to in the 40s mm -hmm. you, you feel really bad you know it just you know, you, you just, you can't function. You can't concentrate. You feel like yeah. you're going to pass out. You're shaky. It's, it's an emergency. Uh, right. but with you, it, um, it almost sounds like you have, you potentially have 
which is weird because you've had type two diabetes, but it sounds almost like you have hypoglycemia as well. You may, I don't know if you've talked to your doctors about that at all. Have you? No, I haven't. I haven't talked to them since, since I had that. Um, and I, again, you know, well, I saw him in December and, you know, I've mentioned to him numbers at times and I think he's starting to default to me because he, he knows I've done as probably as much reading or more as he has. And, you know, and I really go by how I feel. And I had been in the forties, you know, for well over 24 hours at that point. Um, and you know, was, was fine. Just, just fine. Wow. Um, you know, the fast before that I took a, um, I was in the low fifties. So not, you know, not that different. And I took a three mile or a three hour drive after work that day. And I was fine. Just fine. So interesting how, how that, that doesn't seem to affect you very much. I, I know people that have hypoglycemia that are not, uh, diabetic and, you know, they describe similar symptoms to what I have And some of them. It even starts when their blood sugar is at like 65 or 70, they start to feel shaky and, you know, they just don't yeah. feel right. Well, I think, uh, I think it really has to do with your insulin resistance and how metabolically flexible you are. And mm -hmm. ket ketones are the secret in that, um, to have those fueling you, um, and the brain runs beautifully on it from all I keep reading. Um, and, and so that's just it. And the brain will tell you when you're, cause it protects itself. Mm -hmm. So if it senses that it's not getting what it needs, that's when, you know, the dizziness and all that stuff, cause it's starting to shut down other, you know, other areas. So yeah, no, I, I felt fine. And, and I still am back to thinking that what I was seeing or what I experienced was, um, uh, electrolyte and probably that connected to, uh, low, uh, low blood pressure. Yeah. Uh, which of course I wasn't testing. Um, next time I do a fast, I'm going to keep an eye on that and see what that does. But, um, yeah, yeah, that was, that yeah. was a different experience. Yeah, for sure. And it also sounds like you're, you know, you just ran out of glycogen stores, which is why your blood sugar couldn't come back up naturally. It, you said that started happening because it was a 72 hour fast when, when you were doing that and you started, when did you hit the forties the blood sugars? Um, it, it probably was in the 36 to 42 hour range. I think mm -hmm. that I, I hit them and, and I was, you know, like I said, that surprised me because before I just stayed in the low to mid fifties for a couple of days and I thought, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I had, um, seen a, a video that Dr. Boz had done because she had, she does a fast every week and will sometimes do 72 hours. And she one time showed her, she'll show her reading when she's doing her, her weekly podcast. And she was like 49 and all kinds of people went crazy, you know, worrying and Hey, wait a minute. And so she did a podcast just about it and explained why it, it's okay. You know, she's fine. The ketones are doing what they're supposed to do. And, you know, she's ride, riding the ketone high, which, which is true. You get that. Yeah. So. I mean, I guess, you know, your body well enough to know when you, and, and I like to, you know, you don't stand on ceremony. If you aren't feeling good, you'll eat, you'll break your fast. Right. And that, I think that's the first time I broke a fast early that I was playing, you know, that I was pretty sure I was going to go to a certain time. 
but um, I figured at that point I, I had work to do and I just wanted to solve it and not run into any issues. Um, but usually if I'm fasting like that, I've got coworkers around that they're aware. Um, I've actually got uh, a couple of coworkers that are fasting with me quite often. And so it's, it's now become a, a group thing at times. How, when did that start happening? Was it? Um, well, originally it was another a coworker that works out of one of our other locations that had given me um, the obesity code and one of the fasting books. And she kind of had stated what she had done. And apparently I took that as a challenge and I started doing the fasts and so she and I will still sometimes do it, but I have a couple of other gals that wanted to lose weight. I got them the books um, and they read them. And so, yeah, it, it's really been in the last, I don't know, four months or so that, uh, yeah. And they're doing fantastic and just watching the weight just falling off and they're beaming at their successes and, and just amazed at how well they can do it. You know, that the idea before of just going 24 hours was horrid and you know they're doing 72 hour fast regularly and it's fantastic to watch it and to see them glow with their successes oh that's so great do any of them have diabetes or are they just doing it purely for weight loss uh purely for weight loss one of the gals um lost her mom not long ago to to diabetes and she knows what would happen mm -hmm. um if she let herself get to that point so she's preventative um, and no, the other one was just, just for weight loss and getting, getting her body back after years of having kids and saying, okay, now I found a route that works. Yeah, it so. really does work. Especially if you, it's just, it's just a matter of pure consistency. And, um, one of the things I, I noticed about you is that you're very active in all the Facebook groups and things like that. Is that something that you feel like is important to your success? I think it is. I think it is. I think because um, you're learning from other people uh, as you go, as well as giving your own story, your own support, um, sharing what, you know, the experiences that you've heard and that you've had and kind of holding each other up. And, you know, I think both that support and that inspiration is needed. Um, so I, yeah, I, I really do enjoy that. And, uh, and I'm the same way with, you know, with people I, I meet through others, et cetera, they know, you know, people I know and trust. I, I always tell them, if you run into someone and they need help that you think I can give, you give them my contact information. I said, it's fine. Let, let me help because I feel like getting your health back, like, like I have been able to do and was, was blessed with given being given the right direction. It's such an incredible gift and I want others to have it. I want others to find out how, how good life can be and, you know, really enjoy life. And, and again, you know, I I've seen what diabetes can do to destroy it. Um, I've got uh, extended family members that are not living their best life because of not controlling it. And, and it breaks my heart, you know, have they asked you about fasting at all or are they kind of just like not interested? Um, the ones that need it the most, no, they're not interested, unfortunately, and uh, are suffering the most. And um, I was actually um, in a long conversation with a cousin of mine uh, yesterday who is fasting 
and is doing the carnivore diet and she knows all the the reasons why the the genetics in the family is are is not in our favor and so she's doing everything she can to address it and you know be proactive about it before any major health issues show up so yeah that's important um it's yeah it's one of those things where if if you don't take control over it it's you're just going to live a miserable life. You're going to have a lot of complications, which I think people don't yeah. anticipate. They just think, oh, well, I'll have diabetes, but it's not just diabetes. You're going to have so many other issues that come along yeah. with it. So oh, whether yeah, you like it or not, you have to take control over it. It's yeah, it's that, or the pain and agony is going to follow. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, you can't just take a pill to make it go away. The metformin might help improve your insulin sensitivity, but diabetes really is type two, especially is it's progressive. I mean, you're, mm -hmm. it, it's just going to get worse. So <laughs> you have no choice yeah. but to either re reverse it or suffer consequences. Oh yeah. Uh, I had uh, a relative that I was discussing uh, that is suffering from it. And, and I said, said to him, do you, do you know why we're diabetic? And his answer was, well, it, it's it's genetics, it's hereditary. And I said, well, no, yes, but no. I said, that loaded the gun, but what pulled the trigger is completely what we ate and, and how often we ate. And, and, you know, it truly was in our control to not come down with it if we understood uh, the why and the how. And it is in our control to reverse it. Now you may have some permanent damage depending on what all it's done, but you know, life, life. Yeah. You can at least stop the progression. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm so curious, you know, you said your doctors are very impressed with what you've been able to do and they don't even take an A1C anymore. How often are you seeing the doctor and what do they have any other tips for you? Or are they just like, keep doing what you're doing? Uh, I see him now annually and we have more fun when we get together because we discuss it. He's now, um, doing intermittent fasting and, uh, and keto low carb. Um, because his son who was in medical school, school started selling him on all the benefits of fasting. And so he's telling me, he goes, he says, you probably know this already. And then he goes on to tell me the stuff I already know. And, uh, but to see him all light up as he's, you know, finding out the benefits and how it feels and, you know, how much, yeah, how, how life gets better. And so we, we kind of have a mutual admiration society going and we have more discussions than one way conversations. Um, so yeah, no, they're, he's leaving me. He, he knows, he knows I'm doing it my way, you know, that I got it. And I'm going to keep following, you know, and learning and watching myself. And, but I know, uh, know he's there that if I get into trouble, I, I know where to turn and, or if I have a mystery to solve. So, yeah, that's a, another aspect of your story that I actually really like, which is that you have total control over your health. Obviously you go to the doctor when you need to, and you went in the, you know, in the beginning and you got diagnosed and all that stuff, but you're very data driven with checking your blood sugar. You're very diligent with your diet checking your weight, checking your ketones, checking your blood sugars all the time. You're just constantly on top of it. And I think that's, um, 
really important for people to hear because you, you, the way the medical community, the way medicine is established in this, this country in particular, doctors don't have a lot of time to spend with you. They may care about you, but they just don't have the time and the right. energy to be able to, to spend with you and really look over your shoulder. You have to be the one that is in control. So you've, you've really done that. Yeah. Um, and I kind of chuckled because I see now my, my dad was the same way. Um, he passed away four or five years ago now, but he used to really, you know, he used to go to his doctor and tell his doctor, I want you to run this, this, and this. And, um, I realized now the, yeah, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. You know, once I got a hold of it and started understanding it and I came to really, um, find it, I don't know, uh, an enjoyable study of its own, I guess it, it's become a passion. And I, I find it, the more I learn about the body and all the different systems and, and the push and the pull and the regulation of everything, it's fascinating. It just totally fascinates me. So that helps, that helps keep me going. But um, yeah, again, understanding my limits, especially like I, we've talked about just a bit ago with the food and the, the carb addictions and all that. That keeps me on the path very carefully. Um, and and the fact I feel good. So, you know, yesterday uh, was Easter and um, I had uh, a wonderful ribeye roast. And on the on the table for the other two people that were there, um, who, it was they had done the cooking and they had mashed potatoes and carrots. And that was that was fine. I could not have been happier with that incredible roast. <laughs> it was enough. Yeah. You just have to just say, I'm not going to have any of that. Thank you very much. And just, yeah. and just leave it alone. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, anyone around me just knows it's just, that's just how, what I'm going to do. And it's how I eat. And you know, it's all about being together. It doesn't mean we have to eat exactly the same things. Yeah. I used to, uh, you know, I, I was toying around with different ways of doing this when I started. And I used to say, all right, I'll have a little bit of those potatoes and those carrots. I'll have a little bit of a few bites. And then a few bites turns into a huge portion. And I think it's smart to just say no on that. And I'll just have, I'll just have the meat instead. And that's it. Yeah. 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 I, I actually remember considering yesterday, I thought, oh, maybe I'll have a fork full of the potatoes or something. And then I thought, why? <laughs> And yeah, because you're just going to end of that thought. Yeah, you're just going to trigger your hunger, and it's mm -hmm. it's just going to set off so many, so many bad habits that you just you like like we were talking about earlier. You just don't want to have to reverse again because it's just too hard to do at a certain point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, uh, you had it. Okay. <laughs> I was just going to say the other thing I really like about uh, you is that you're just such a a student of of what you're doing, your health and fasting and all of that. And you, the last time you were on, you had some really good book recommendations. You gave one already in the podcast. Have you been reading anything else that's interesting? Oh, I was just working on a book and I can't even think of the name of it right now on caffeine. Um, in my um, journey to try to get maximum sleep and have everything else going well I decided to to uh back down on my coffee which was getting kind of kind of heavy and um so I was yeah I was just doing some different reading uh, some reading on what all caffeine does and all the different systems in the body that it affects 
and I've gotten myself, what I do now is I have um, a cup or cup and a half, whatever, of coffee on Saturday and Sunday. And the rest of the week, I don't. And it's feeling good. Um, I tapered down this time instead of going cold turkey, which is awful. And um, it went really easy. So I, I drink some caffeine-free herbal teas and stuff like that if I want hot, which is usually what I'm doing. And uh, so that's worked really well. I found that to be interesting. Um, yeah, I, I stumble across different different books here and there. Um, sometimes uh, the information is kind of, you're hearing the same things over and over. Uh, but I'm always on the lookout for something new, a different topic to take a look at and learn and understand and find ways to apply and make things easier, better life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on the topic of caffeine, that's something I have quit a couple times over the course of my life and then have added it back in, mm -hmm. which is another, yeah. shouldn't have done that. Oh, Just I've, left I've it. done that too. I've done it too. <laughs> How did you I've taper down it. this time? I just started drinking less of it, just stopping earlier in the day. And um, I kind of, uh, I think I, you know, I came at the weekend idea and I think I did like a Friday. Then I drank on the weekend. Then I started a Monday. And I think that first day I had a little bit of a headache and then that was it. So that, that was real reasonable. I didn't mind. And, um, and I, I'm happy with my teas. So that's nice. And then the weekend, it's just sort of another part of the treat of, okay, I'll have a cup of coffee. And, uh, but when that cup is gone, I'm I'm perfectly happy to go boil some more water and have some tea. Yeah. Did you stop drinking it? Was it causing, uh, were you having trouble sleeping or why did you feel the need to, or was it what you read in the book? Why did you feel the need to stop? Um, well, I was hearing some different angles. I, I heard a podcast that had the authors of this book on it and that had me curious. And I've been watching, um, being the data nerd that I am, I've been watching my sleep data. And I kept thinking, I hear of these people that go into a deep sleep for hours, and I, I don't. And I was wondering if that would help me get there. Um, but I, I can't say it's made a significant difference uh, as far as that goes. But I feel a bit more relaxed. I'm not feeling so anxious to run for coffee. Um, I always refer to it as liquid of life. Um, and I'm, I'm just, there's some anxiety that I was having from the coffee that I didn't even know I was having. And so cutting it way back and just enjoying it, you know, two days a week has worked out much better. Um, the day could come, I totally quit it altogether, but right now I'm just seeing how it goes. Yeah. I know a lot of people, uh, that fast are very committed to their coffee. Oh yeah. <laughs> Do oh, not yeah. take away their coffee. <laughs> Right, exactly. And that's how I was. And I'm still kind of picky about my coffee. There's, you know, a particular roast I really like. But um, other than that, in fact, I was out of town and um, I knew the hotel coffee was okay, but not great. And I thought, no, I opted for my tea instead, because I thought if I'm going to have coffee, it's going to be the stuff I really love. Yeah, and that's not it. just okay. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Um, yeah, you're you're very uh, methodical about everything you do, which I like about you. 
I don't know. Sometimes I think I try to mix in too many different things. Like I said, I've been mentioned, I've been trying to figure out why I've got leg cramps going and um, I keep mixing a little bit of this and a little bit that and trying to figure out, all right, what's the magical formula here? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting on your, your prior episode is you were talking about hula hoop as a form of exercise. Are you still doing that? Not as often, but I still, I still do from time to time. Um, I still have a hula hoop at work where every now and then, if I just feel the need on lunch, I'll duck around into a unused area and put on some music in my, in my, uh, headphones and, and hula hoop for a little bit. Does get the, does get the blood going. So, are there yeah, a, it's a fun one? Yeah. Are there other forms of exercise that you've discovered or are you, you know, my favorite thing in the world to do is to go out on trails and walk. Um, I live in an incredibly beautiful area of Michigan, and we have all kinds of hiking trails through the woods, up and down hills, um, you know, lots of wildlife around. Um, I did run into wildlife in the upper peninsula of a couple of bears, and that has me a little more paranoid these days because there's plenty of them in this area, too. So I get a little nervous about going out alone or at certain times, but um that I, I I just love that you know when you're walking especially on on wooded trails, you know you're climbing you're up and down you're having to move around in all kinds of ways instead of just a steady thing at a gym or something that's you know same same, and um, so it it goes along you're spending time outside and then I'm a photographer by passion so the camera's always with me, and I'm taking pictures and the whole experience is just incredibly joyful to me and I, I come out just euphoric uh, it just feels so good and that that's my absolute favorite way to exercise so snow has just finally melted from this area and I'm just starting to get back out there and being able to do that and I, I'm so thrilled for that oh I love that that sounds fantastic well um, I think this has been a really helpful update for people I I definitely wanted to show I wanted to follow up with you just because you've been doing it for so long and you're showing that, yes, you can do it long-term. It's, it, it can be a, a true lifestyle. Is there anything else you want to say about, you know, how you've been able to to do, do this for so long for people that like myself, I am, uh, you know, I started intermittent fasting in July, August, 2021, and recently I've been facing some challenges with, with maintenance and I'm trying to push through them right now. Is there anything mm -hmm. that you can say that might help people get over that hump <laughs> as they're going along? I, I think, first of all, consistency with your food is utmost. Um, that, yeah, you might be able to find, you know, where your where your boundaries are and you may test them just a little bit. But I, I think if you start looking at things um, as far as like, what foods am I not eating? What do I wish I could eat? And you get into that mindset, you kind of torture yourself. And when you really learn what foods you can have that make you feel good and you concentrate on that and that's your focus. I think that makes a huge difference because it, it's not, you know, I saw somebody post in a group, you know, I, about somebody wanting to feel normal. I thought, um, no, I want to feel good. And what used to be normal did not feel good. And this, this, is this is what works. Um, and it, it's given, you know, 
it's given life back. And for that, I'm, I'm grateful. In fact, I consider my diagnosis a blessing because my life is better now than it ever was. And I was just looking it up um, a little bit ago on April 28th of this month. Um, I will be three years with no medications. And that's something I'm through. I, I take nothing. 58 years old. I don't take any prescription medications. And that's something that makes me feel good um, to be able to say I, and to say, you know, you can do this. And I think that's the long term is is don't look don't look for shortcuts and way ways out and trying to go back to what what once was, because that's how we got sick. You know, us type twos got sick to begin with. So that's how I see it as long term. And I don't intend to I don't intend to go backwards. Just keep moving forward. Yeah, well, that's that's a great way to to summarize your story. And I agree with you wholeheartedly about not testing those boundaries, because once you do, then the wheels fall off and it just, you know, it's a slippery slope. So you've you've managed to just keep it very consistent, which is I really feel like the key to everything. Yeah, I believe so, too. Well, thanks again for your time and for coming on. And I know the listeners will appreciate the update that you provided and um, just congratulations on your success. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.